This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Homestyle Radio Preview Podcast, sponsored by FanDuel.co.uk, the next generation of fantasy football. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Homestyle Radio Preview Podcast. I'm your host, Terence Ford of RedandBlueArmy.co.uk, and along with Nick Dorpot and Tim Warren, we are here to pick you up and run away from the international break faster than John Salako can say, I would have voted for Donald Trump. We all have all of the usual Palace chat, including talk of Zaha's exclusion from the England squad, whether or not City are going to give us a hiding. And of course, we will be discussing our classic match against a club dubbed the Noisy Neighbours. Before we get into all of that, remember to subscribe to both of our podcasts by visiting holradio.net forward slash subscribe. Get in touch with the show. All of our contact details can be found at holradio.net forward slash contact. Right. Um, there's only a real one real place to start this week, and that was obviously with the tragedy that happened down in Croydon last week with the death of seven people in the tram crash, uh, including uh, two Palace fans in Dave Chinnery and Philip Tank Siri. Um, this really, it's really di- kind of difficult for me to talk about. Um, these are two people that I see on a regular basis at Crystal Palace games, never never met or spoke to them, but, you know, as anyone who travels to games away from home especially, you start to see the same faces around and it seems crazy to me that um, travelling to work in the morning on a tram, just having an accident like that, lives can just be lost in such horrible circumstances. Um, looking at positives, as I always try to do in things, um, it's fantastic the sense of community that has been felt around Croydon and specifically in what I see around Crystal Palace Football Club and how fans have come together and, um, you know, sort of joined together to make sure that Dane and Philip are remembered. And uh, Nick, I think you've got their um, sort of the plan that's going to be going on at Tellers Park this weekend at the game. Yeah, and I'd just like to start by echoing your sentiments. I mean, what it does show is that we are a family club. We are a, a local community. And I think uh, what the all the different websites, all the different social media sites have come together. And this is, for those of you out there that don't know the um, setup for Saturday, uh, when the players come out, uh, both the banners that will be held up by the HF, okay, and on 19 minutes, they will hold up Danes on his own, okay, and there'll be a one-minute applause on 19 minutes for everybody to join in. On 57 minutes, they're doing the same thing with tanks for another separate one-minute applause, okay? And if you haven't seen it, please go onto social media, have a look, okay? Because it's all been arranged, the club have got involved, and I think credit should also be given at this point to Man City, who on their social media are also getting involved in it. So, you know, this this is for the family. I'm aware of the families that are certainly coming on Saturday. In fact, I've got four spare season tickets that are being actually used by Dane's family 
uh, from the spare tickets that I've got. Okay, and I know that a lot of other people have given up tickets for both families so their families can actually attend the game and witness what we're going to do as a club, as a community on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, and that really is fantastic. And of course, there'll be a minute silence before the games and the players will be wearing black armbands. Um, and there's also talk, uh, early talk at the moment, about an event being set up at Box Park, the new Box Park in Croydon, uh, which Doc Brown has already confirmed that he will be attending and it's going to be a sort of musical stroke comedy event that's going to take place down there and hopefully raise some money for the families of the people who were lost. And of course, um, our thoughts and um, prayers are with all of the families of the people that lost their lives. Um, obviously, now we have, I have to go on. Life goes on, and I need to do this podcast in the usual vein that we do it, and you know, try and have a little bit of light-hearted fun. Um, so we'll bring you in, Tim. <laughs> no, Hi. Bit of a heavy end there. Welcome, welcome to the podcast, mate. You, of course, um, you're on your two-show trial now. So, um, <laughs> how, how you feeling? You nervous? Yeah, a little bit nervous, but, you know, thanks for having me. Um, right, mate. We just talk about Palace. It's easy. You've probably done that <laughs> all your life, right? My favourite um, subject, yeah, that's right. Now, um, you said earlier that um, you've been likened to Gareth Southgate in the past, looks-wise. Is is that true? It is true, actually. It is. I um, I did get a bit of abuse on a train once when um, he missed that penalty. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I think I've grown to be better looking over the years. So, you know, oh, I think I'm OK it. now. So you're Gareth Southgate without a paper bag over his head from the pizza hut. <laughs> I, I am, although I do still have the, uh, I have a little bit of a beard now. So, you know, <laughs> obviously I'm still trying to, you know, have those links. Yeah, right. So as you'll know from um, listening to the podcast, uh, if, you're, if, if this is your first time on the podcast, we find out a little bit about you. So we start with your first live Palace match. What, what was the first, when was the first time you saw the Red and Blue play live? Well, I was a bit of a late starter, to be honest. Um, I was 18 at the time. Um, it was back in October 1992. My, uh, oh, wait, one of my best... We are to, wait, wait, we're talking about going to a football match, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> um, yeah, back in 1992, my, uh, one of my best mates, Simon, and his dad, they invited me along to the Palace. Um, up until then, I'd sort of watched local football, my local team, and I gave it a go. It was against Lincoln City um, in the League Cup. There was only 7,000 people there, but it was a cracking game. Palace 1-3-1. And to be honest, I've been addicted ever since. Very, very nice. Lincoln, that's, um, that's a glory one. At least you can't, no one can ever accuse you of being a glory hunter. This is it. This is it. <laughs> so was that before the 94-95 season? 94-95 yeah, season, we played Lincoln it was twice, didn't we? Yeah, so a couple of seasons before. Yeah, it seems like Lincoln were one of those teams at the time that we played on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, right. Favourite all-time player? Um, I think I'm going to have to go for Andy Johnson. Uh, simply being, I was absolutely devastated when Clinton Morrison left us for Birmingham. I just remember sitting in the stand, seeing AJ come on, thinking, what the hell? You know, he's never a striker. Um, <laughs> and it just goes to show how wrong I was, really, because, uh, you know, what a player. As I've probably said on this show many times before, I still get laughed at by a friend of mine who... We was away at Sheffield Wednesday on a Tuesday night and he hit the post from four yards out of a header, missing an open goal. And I turned to my friend and said, that man will never score goals. <laughs> from the following week, he just didn't stop scoring. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, and your favourite all-time Palace goal? Well, I think recent times, it could be any from Darren Ambrose. But to be honest, um, due to the significance at the time, the drama, um, how it ended exactly a year previous and what a strike from the edge of the box. It has to be kind of David Hopkin in that uh, playoff final. Um, it was just, you know, that was my real welcome to a Palace, being a Palace fan, really. And, you know, I've had many memorable Palace moments since, but that was just sort of top at the time. Yeah, it's certainly a good one to pick. Right. Um, if you haven't seen on Twitter, John Salako tweeted, voted Brexit, would have voted Trump. Now I'm voting Southgate. Fresh start, new blood. So-called big names didn't deliver, so there we go. Frankly, I'm shocked and appalled. To be so blasé of such a topic is just horrendous. I mean, doesn't he remember Euro 96? I don't care if Southgate used to pay for Palace. He ruined my childhood with that penalty miss against Germany. And to suggest that he should get the England job full-time is unforgivable from Salad. Not having any of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, he's deleted that tweet, so... Um, Sure, that says a lot. Uh, let's talk about England slightly. We obviously played this week. Um, Nick, Lingard over Zaha. 
it's a toughie. Let's be honest. That Lingard, the more time goes on, is a better, is a quality player. Um, you've got your red and blue rose tinted glasses on, and so have I. And we both think that uh, Zaha should be in the team. He's an all, we think he's an all round better player. But is he better than Lingard? I'd struggle to say that he was. I think there's not much between them. Um, the reason that Zaha's not in the team has got to be, I, I think it's got to be down to personal differences he's had in the past. I think he had a problem possibly with uh, Southgate in the under-21 days. Uh, his behaviour was allegedly not up to standard. Uh, and, I, and I still wonder if some of that's coming back to haunt him, if I'm honest. Right, Tim, it's your first time on the show, mate. I'm not having any of that as an answer. Put him right. Well, I just think he plays for Palace, to be honest. Um, I'm sure if he was playing for someone like Southampton, um, it'd you know, be called up. I mean, there's no way you can miss his performances at the moment. Um, but, you know, this isn't the first time it's happened, is it? Um, I know we are biased with our red and blue tinted specs, but, you know, we are unfashionable, I'm afraid. And, you know, I just think that's life. I'm not having it, Nick. Zaha's a much better player than Lingard all round as well. And that's regularly playing with players are nowhere near as good as some of the players that Lingard gets to play with. How many goals has Lingard scored this year? How many goals has Will scored this year? Okay, so are we talking about his ability down on down on the touchline with chalk on his feet or are we talking about the finished article that can actually Lin- score? Lingard has scored zero goals this season and Zaha has one. I think Lingard has one assist and Zaha has five. Yeah, I'll give it what I will concede. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. Because what I will concede is that the assist side of Will's game has come on dramatically. That could be possibly because we got uh, the big lump up in the box uh, in Benteke. But yeah, you're right. The the one area he has come on. Do you think he's a better? Do you think honestly? Do you think Lingard is uh, a much better player? No, I think Zaha is a much better player. Than oh, sorry, Lingard. I meant Zaha. So, yeah. Zaha can do things with a ball that as 0.01% of professional footballers can do. And now what is happening this season, and you're seeing it, and I've not been too... I, I haven't been... There have been no calls for me last season or the season before about Zaha being in the England team. My calls are based on what is happening this season. What is clearly happening is Zaha has turned the corner. You can hear this around his talking, um, the way he plays the game. If you look at a lot of these assist, assists there from earlier balls into the box and stuff like this, Zaha is starting to figure the game out. And England don't have anybody else like Wilfred Zaha. So so let me come back at you then, Terence. Okay. Yeah. Why, if you're asking the questions normally, why do you think that Zaha isn't being picked? Why do I think Wilfred Zaha is being picked? He's, it, kind he's of similar not. To, it's similar to what Tim said. It's a, it's a lot to do with because it's unfashionable because he plays for Crystal Palace. And I was really hopeful when Southgate came in that, you know, he has Palace links. He come from come from playing as a kid at Palace. And I really thought that he's not going to, he's going to look at Palace and he's going to know that we can produce good players down here. And to pick, and I don't, I don't want this to sound like a witch hunt on Andrews Townsend or anything like that, but how can you go to that Burnley game Watch Zaha and Townsend in that game, and picks out and pick Townsend for the England squad. It's laughable. And no argument. I, Absolutely uh, no no argument from me because there was no contest between the two. But obviously, we're not talking about those two. But Townsend, his his recent performances have been woefully yeah. short of Zaha. And you're right. Yeah, and and it worries me. Then as why I had a little slide dig at both Salako and Southgate there before. You know. The, uh, Southgate should he be an England manager it really worries me if you're going to a game and you're watching Zaha's performance in that game and you can't see that A he's being very very good with what he does now and B that he just has an X factor that England do not have and I think if you surround Wilfred Zaha with very good players it will only draw very very good performances out of him um, right, let's get on to the game against Man City uh, Tim is this, yep. is this a freebie for Pardew or is, is his job in trouble if we get thrashed to be honest, it should be a freebie. Um, but I just think, you know, with recent results and the last, uh, was it four games we've lost, it, there just is no time, I don't think. Um, partly, it will all be on how he kind of sets the game up, I think. If he if he tries to play kind of the old Pulis way where we're a bit more patient, you know, hard to break down, get him on the break, then, you know, there'd be a bit more defence for him. But I think, you know, as you touched on earlier on that phone call, um, 
you know, the, the danger is we're just going to go out and try and attack City from the start. Um, yeah. And I just don't think we're good enough to do that. Of course, that phone call he's talking about comes later in the show, but he's <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll let him off. That's when we talk to our Man City fan, David Walker, from um, Red But Never Red, later on in the show. Um, yeah, Nick, do you, do you think he's going to set up to defend, or do you think he's going to go toe-for-toe-to-toe toe toe with him? <laughs> well, the toe-to-toe. The toe, um, I think this is Pardew. He, he doesn't know when he's beaten. I think he will set up to go toe-to-toe. I mean, there's part of me would like him to set up to go on as as the an old wing-back you know, or use the wingers better, but I think he's going to literally go toe-to-toe. Um, Line-up-wise, it's going to be interesting to see what he does with the midfield this week because I think he needs to pack out the midfield, if I'm honest, uh, to stand any sort of a chance. Right, it's interesting you say that. So... I was thinking more the opposite and going for a, an old bit of an old four four two. Because I think in recent weeks, when Connor Wickham's come on, he's caused a bit of trouble, don't you think? Now that's an interesting thing, wasn't it? You that only I think it was last week you were saying to me four four two. You're so old, Phil Pot. You're so ancient, Phil Pot. <laughs> and, and here's you advocating what the master Nick Phil Pot tactician said to you only last week because you. <laughs> But because in, in all seriousness, you're absolutely right. Our, our second half performance last the week before last against Burnley was transform, transformed because we brought Wickham on to play alongside Ben Teke and we were playing much better. And so you, you are right. And therefore, I was right the week before that you said I wasn't. <laughs> and that got the exact rant I wanted out of you. <laughs> I, I think it's more to do with Burnley than to do with us. Um, and it's interesting, I was speaking to a youth palace coach a couple of years ago at a dinner event somewhere or something. That makes me sound way more important than I am. Yeah. But he um, was saying that sort of moving back towards long ball and more direct play is actually not a bad tactic at the moment because all of the kids who are now coming through, all your centre-backs who are in their mid-20s, have been brought up trying to play football like Spain did because that was how all the English academies were set up to say, we need to be better on the ball, looking like John Stones and so on. We need to be able to pass the ball out from the back. And they don't actually know how to deal with the long threat. And I think there's something in it as well, because if you look how much Ben Teke wins the ball in the air and Connor Wickham when he's on, you know, they, they really can dominate against centre-backs. So, yeah, absolutely, you know, especially especially when you've got somebody like Delaney oofing it, uh, his usual <laughs> diagonal ball. But I mean, he could be oofing it directly into the box for the big fella to get his nut on top of it. And that's... Yeah. And there you go. You're not wrong. Right. So how, how do you think, Tim, how do you think we're going to set up? Um, it pro- I think we can all safely assume that it's going to be a 4-5-1 or 4-3-3. Who's your centre-back pairing for this one? I would go for uh, Dan. Um, whether I'd go for Delaney or not, I'm not sure. But I mean, I, I mean they're all fit at the back. Um, I mean, if Delaney and Dan are fit, I guess we'll go for those two. But I don't know. It's the wing backs I'm more kind of concerned about. The full backs, um, <laughs> yeah. I just don't. I just don't see how we're going to contain them, really. So is it is it Kelly or Friars? It's like the age old conversation on this podcast. <laughs> well, I'd probably give Friars a go, just in that it's something a bit different. Um, yeah, certainly, I'd give uh, Friars a go at left back, and it's whether you persist with Joe Ward at right back or not. I mean, I can't see him changing it that much, to be honest. So, Nick, uh, obviously being old, you might have missed this internet craze that is the Mannequin Challenge. Have you seen this? I have seen it, yeah. <laughs> in, fact, in fact, listening to one of your podcasts is like watching the uh, Mannequin Challenge. <laughs> Oui. Well, the, fact, the fact that you're on most of them, mate, doesn't say much about you either. Um, is, so is Martin, Martin Kelly looks like he's doing a Mannequin Challenge week in, week out, doesn't he? Absolutely right. And I'm just going to go back to, to what Tim just said a minute ago. Um my concern with putting Zeki in against Man City, you're potentially going to ruin the guy in one game. I mean, in any, in any, in any other game this season, apart from playing Man City at home, uh, it will be the game that I would put Zeki in. Yeah, give him a chance. I quite agree with you. I think, I think you raise a good point because he, he hasn't done an awful lot wrong in the four cameos that he's uh, done. But to put him in against Man City, uh, he'll be playing non-league football in two years if you, if you do that. <laughs> well, I think uh, we, talk, we touched on that last week, didn't we? Or a couple of weeks ago, the pod saying Burnley would have probably been the game to throw him in for um, yeah. against slightly weaker opposition. And I think you're right, throwing him in against City could be terrifying 
but you know we'll never know um right so we'll finish it there uh, next up we're going to be talking to the aforementioned david walker <laughs> the never um, and we're going to be talking about how man city season has gone so far every picture tells a story keep up to date with ours on instagram at homesdale radio right we're now joined by dave walker of red but never red.com um a man city blogger there um Dave, thank you so much for joining us. You've, um, you're having a bit of a hard time of it at the moment, aren't you? Oh, I'm just a wounded little soldier. Thanks for having me on, guys. It's always nice to talk to the opposition. I've just yes. had my left shoulder replaced, so uh, I, I can only punch with one arm tonight, so you're okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, out of you and Vincent Company, who's the more likely to last 90 minutes? How, how likely is Vincent to do 90? Yeah, over you. I reckon you've probably got more chance of doing 90 <laughs> minutes, haven't you? That's a bit harsh, guys. That's a bit harsh. Um, if Vincent went up against Christian Benteke on Saturday, I just wondered if it would be the be- Battle of the Bulge rather than the Battle of the Bulge. Hey, <laughs> very good. Yeah. That's the bad joke for the night put to one side. Um, no, don't worry. We got we need, we're uh, usually full of them. <laughs> company for us, he's, he's such a symbolic um, commanding figure. Um, and it's use the word tragedy, if I use it in football parlance, it's a footballing tragedy that company at the moment just cannot get himself right. And I must admit, I don't know what the future holds, but on his day, he's still one of the best defenders in the world. But it's like you guys say, it's getting him on the field and it's keeping him there. And it's a big mystery as to what's going on with him at the moment. Mm. All right, we'll go back. We'll look at the start. So you had a bit, you had a very, very good start to the season. Everyone worrying you were going to run off with a title very easily. Then you go six without a win. Then you thrash West Brom and Barcelona, and then you join with Borough. So a bit up and down. Um, is this just Pep settling into the role? Yeah, in fairness, I think a lot of City fans were very pleasantly surprised at the way we started. Um, I mean, I'm a massive City fan. I've been for donkey's yonks. Um, and I, I didn't think we'd win the title at the start of the season. Then I was thinking, blimey, he's got his philosophy over quickly. There's eating people like Kolarov playing well. Sterling's been transformed. But Pep does need time. And I, I honestly don't know, obviously, I don't know if we're going to win the title. We're going to be up there. Um, but I think the longer the season goes on, if we can keep our main men fit, I think we will actually get stronger because, you know, Pep's getting his ideas into the bones of the players that are adapting to his play. And uh, let's not forget in January, Man City fans, Jesus is coming. <laughs> um, let's... Touching on uh, briefly on, uh, you say you've been a City fan there for donkey's years, as you say. Uh, How different is it now compared to how it used to be? Is it is it a lot more different supporting the club that you would have supported when you was younger? Yeah, would you just indulge me for one second? Because my first ever City game was at Selhurst Park in August nineteen August nineteen seventy, way before you guys were even probably a glimmer in your father's eyes. A guy called Alan Oates scored the winner. And um, my dad had taken me and we were sitting in with the Palace fans and this huge Palace fan was sitting in front of us. And I think I was six or seven and I stood up and cheered. And at the end of the game, this guy turned to us and forgive my Cockney impersonation. He turned to my dad, he said, I take it, you're taking him out and give him a good thumping. <laughs> my dad had uh, not a man of violence. Said, oh, yes, a damn good thrashing. <laughs> just just anyway, for clarity, David. Uh, <laughs> just for clarity, mate, South Londoners aren't Cockneys. <laughs> I'm a cop. Indeed, I'm, I I'm from East London. <laughs> but these other two, these other two South Londoners on the phone, they're not cockneys. Don't. So that, me, so, so David, David, that game that you alluded to, would would Mick Summer be playing in that game? Yes, he would. Mike Summer, yeah. Be, yeah, 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 absolutely right. Uh, because I am from your generation, we are dealing with a couple of youngsters on the other and on the other <laughs> end of the line there. But I'm actually you're, in. You're uh, yeah, they are, mate. They don't know anything about real football in the man's day, okay? But um, I, don't, I don't remember that particular game, but I remember the era very well. Yeah. Col- sorry, Col- Colin uh, Bell. Colin Bell, uh, yeah. Tommy Booth, Francis Lee. Um, yeah. Just, I don't want to monopolise your, 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 uh, your programme, but my dad actually wrote to Man City before the game to say this was going to be little David's first ever City game. Could he come and meet the players after the match? And you're talking about, you know, now and then. And we actually got a, a letter back from Joe Mercer, the legendary Joe Mercer, manager of the day, 
very, very polite to Mr. Walker, saying it was great that young David was going to be a blue, but if the, uh, the results on the night didn't go City's way, the dressing room might not be the place for a little boy because there might be some, quotes industrial <laughs> language. So on this particular occasion, we would politely decline. But uh, no, that's the difference. I mean, how many Premier League managers are going to write back to a little boy's dad, mm. you know, in person to say, sorry, mate, not tonight. It's fond memories. Yeah, there was that nice one recently of that, uh, I think it was Serbian guy who wrote to all 20 Premier League clubs uh, asking why he should support their club and he just got a load of nonsense thrown back at him. Half of them didn't respond. Uh, but Everton sent back a really, really, really good response, you know, really personalised and really made an effort to get him to understand the history of Everton and what it's like to be an Everton fan and um, he ended up going to a yeah. game and so on. So that was really nice. Oh, um, so... You, you said you was uh, pleased with the start. So were you expecting more from Pep? Because you, we sort of get this impression that, you know, he's, you know, he's basically Jesus, <laughs> not the one arriving in January, but that he just will, can make anything happen. So were you expecting to run away with it or not? Um, we were expecting to see a different style of play, which we've seen, and that is shown in the intensity that we play the way that we press the opposition far more than we ever used to. I mean, even with Mancini, who's a very intense, volatile Italian, his teams never had that energy level, which Pep teams, it seems to be an inherent trait with Pep's teams. Um, and let's not forget, Pep has only had one transfer window, and it's one where, I wouldn't say inexplicably, but he, he sort of concentrated more on attack than defence, albeit we've got John Stones and the vast majority of Man City fans are thrilled that we've got John Stones, despite the criticism he seems to attract. Um, next will be looking at the centre-back position. Is company sustainable? Even if he isn't, we still need quality in there. And the full-backs. I mean, Zabaleta is a legend. Every City fan absolutely adores the guy. But, you know, father time waits for no one. And uh, so two new full-backs and a centre-back. But um, he's got us playing this different style of play. It's so much more intense. The emphasis is on attack. Um, you know, and he's playing a totally different tune out of Raheem Sterling. He was almost public enemy number one. And Sterling, I think most people, apart from the most jaundiced Liverpool fans, would uh, would grant that Sterling has turned his form around no end. And that's that's in no small measure to Pep Guardiola. Well, you talk about the higher energy there, um, and obviously that doesn't suit a certain Yaya Torre. He loves a goal against us. <laughs> has they have they sorted out that rift? And can he is he possibly getting into the team for this game or not? Um, personal view only. Um, I very much doubt Yaya will play for us again. Um, it's such a it's a it's such a shame. The guy has been absolutely legendary on the field of play. His achievements. I mean, he scored that goal back in uh, 2014 to seal the 2-0 win against you guys, which you know helped us in no way, uh, no measure to 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 win the title. But his day is gone. Um, he hasn't got the energy levels. His application levels leave so much to be desired. And it's it's a shame because he's going to leave Man City as a guy who heralded in a new era of winning the FA Cup and league titles, but his legacy is tarnished forever. So personally, I'd be surprised if he ever plays for us again, and I would be staggered if he ever played a prominent role for us again. Okay. All right. Well, looking over to Palace, um, how 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 are we possibly going to pick up a result? What are we going to have to do if we are to get anything from the game? Depends how you guys play, because obviously you're at home, so one would think the onus is on you to come out and attack. Now, whether or not Alan Pardew will go for a counter-attacking setup, albeit you are the home team. No, he, uh, think, he thinks he can go toe-to-toe with anyone. He will come out and try and play against you. Well, I think that will assist us then, because in recent weeks we have found difficulties in breaking teams down. Now, it's something we're going to have to learn how to do, because there's going to be a lot of teams going to adapt, you know, adapt that sort of uh, formation. But if Palace want to go toe-to-toe, <laughs> defence is our weakest point. But equally, if, if Palace leave you know, gaps in the midfield to the likes of Silva, De Bruyne, Sterling, yeah. uh, to prosper and get the supply line through to Aguero, then I think we, you know, if it's a shootout, I think City will, will just have the edge on you guys. 
Yeah, I feel myself getting angry already at Pardew's post-match press conference when we've lost 4-0, <laughs> saying that no, we should have, maybe we should have set up in the counter-attacking style. Um, right, prediction then. What do, you, what do you think the score is going to be, Dave? I think we're vulnerable at back any given time, so I think you guys most likely will score. Um, I think 2-1, if I'm being really optimistic, probably 3-1 to City. That's very, very generous of you there, Dave. Look, thank you so much for joining us, fighting through the pain barrier there. And I hope you get better <laughs> soon. Thanks, guys. Thank you. No worries. And um, we'll probably be in contact with you later in the season so we can get an update on your progress. Super. And let's, let's do it when we, uh, we meet you guys at the Etihad. Let's get back together again. Indeed, we will, mate. OK, thank you. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around, to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Bye. Got something you'd like to get off your chest? Tweet us now at Whole Radio. Right, so it's now time to move on to predictions. Um, as always, we'll start with the listeners' predictions. A um, bit more bright sparks in there than I expected this week. Uh, Stephen Ellis has gone nil four plus. We'll still be manager against Swansea. Uh, Benny Esther says 0.7 points per game in 2016. What's there to predict other than a 5-2 loss? Uh, ben Long, optimistically gone for 2-1 Palace. Ben Teke and Dan. Peter Locke has also gone for a Palace win. I've completely lost the plot, he says. 1-0 Palace, first clean sheet. Nick Gussett-Gillard of the whole Radio Parish has predicted that Puncher will score both in a 2-1 Palace win. Puncher's only scored two or more four times in his career. And one of those times was a hatch against Palace for Millwall. So can't see him scoring twice. Dan Quarterbine suggests that considering our form and lack of any defence, 4-1 to City with our goal coming from James MacArthur. And finally, Ed underscore QTMN has simply said, Palace nil, Manchester City 10. <laughs> uh, <laughs> before I ask for your predictions, I will hit you with some stats. This will be the 49th league meeting between the two teams. Palace have won 13 and drawn 13 with 23 losses. Our biggest win is 3-1 twice in 1987 and 1996. And their biggest win is 4-0 twice in 1971. And of course, in the 2015-16 season up at the Etihad. In all competitions, Palace have won just one of the last 11 matches against City, losing the other 10. <laughs> um, in those 11 games, Palace have scored just five times, with City finding the back of the net 25 times. Bobby Madley will be the ref. Uh, we have lost every single game that is ref at Sellers Park. <laughs> <laughs> against Newcastle in the League Cup, Liverpool in the FA Cup, and Watford in the league, when he gave Watford that rather dubious penalty. Okay, Tim, welcome to the guessing game, mate. We are still only at one correct guess. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah all right, shut up. Uh, <laughs> so, you, you've got the honours this week. What, you, what, what are you going for? It's the kind of game that we could turn around the season, but I, don't, I, I still think we're going to lose 3-1, unfortunately. I hope I'm wrong. I really do. But, you know, I think, yeah, 3-1. Okay, who's going to score the Palace goal, just in case it's a tiebreaker? Uh, ben Teke. Okay, go on then, Smuggy. Okay, Mister well, McSmug here is going to have a go. Well, if you think about it, I mean, what is it? What do those stats say? We've lost lost the other ten. Palace have won just one in the last eleven matches. Lost the last. The Bobby Madeley is a ref. We've he's never <laughs> presided over presided over a, a win for Palace at Sellers Park. 
But this is the Palace roller coaster. This is why we are Palace fans. But I'm still going with the 2 0 loss. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you remember last week, the ref- or the week before, the referee at the Burnley game, uh, Burnley had never scored when he was the ref and had never won a game, obviously, when he was the referee. And yeah. they probably scored with inside 90 seconds and won the game 3 2. So mm, I'm not sure how much that means. Uh, right, Kevin Keane, our coach because apparently we do have some coaches at the club mm-hmm. as, as tonight said on the Croydon advertiser we have a lot of top players and I think we can give them a good game for me we can go and win the game so with that I'm going 4-0 City uh, <laughs> Aguero, Aguero to get two and De Bruyne to get two uh, misery guts me and I just can't see I just cannot see how we're going to get a result uh, I think, I think real, realism is set in there too, and I, think, I don't think you're going to be far short if I'm honest yeah, so, well, look, next up, we're going to remember the classic match that you all voted for on Twitter this week. It is the 4-0 League Cup quarterfinal win over Manchester City in 94-95. And that beat off competition from the final game of the 1989-90 season when um, Man City sort of wished us well, didn't they? Off against May United in the cup final in that game at the end of the match. And it was 73% of the vote that the 4-0 League Cup win took. That's a good ball there by Gordon for uh, Salako, and he's crossed it in well! Oh, there was a real chance there, because Southgate finish it off. Pitchers with a shot, and they score! Darren Pitchers' first goal for Crystal Palace, and it couldn't have come at a better time. Salako's cross, Dibble could only pull it away, Southgate really worked at this one, and then played it back for Pitcher, the former Charles. It's 11th of January 1995 and 16,668 people have turned up to see Alan Smith's Crystal Palace take on Brian Horton's Manchester City at Sellers Park in the League Cup quarterfinal. Bit of context around the fixture. In the league, Palace are nine games without a win. Count them, nine, with zero goals scored. <laughs> um, makes Pardew sound like, uh, I don't know, like a winner, basically. <laughs> um uh, yeah, the only wins in the last 11 games have come against Villa in the previous round of the League Cup, which was a 4-1 win. 
and 5-1 against Lincoln three days earlier in the FA Cup. Uh, what, what was unusual about that Lincoln fixture in the FA Cup, guys? Blimey. Don't know. Can't remember. Tim, can you remember? What was unusual about it? Did... No. Um, only the lead-up. We hadn't scored in the league, had we? Was it nine games without a goal? Yeah, no, it was because it was the second time we drew him in the League Cup earlier in the season, and then we got him in the FA Cup again, and um, we freshed we freshed him that time, so that was all right. Yeah, but we definitely um, needed those five goals. It would seem um, City were not doing much better than us. Uh, they come in with only one win in eight. Teams lined up with um, in goal for Palace with Nigel Martin, John Humphrey, Dean Gordon, Richard Shaw and Chris Coleman at the back. Darren Pitcher, Gareth Southgate, Ricky Newman, John Solarco in midfield and Chris Armstrong and Jordan Dara up top. For City, it was Andy Dibble in goal. Andy Dibble. Nicky Summerby, uh, Terry Phelan went on to play for Palace. Steve Lomas, Keith Curl, the, the shit that is Keith Curl. Um, many Palace fans will know why I do not like him. Alan Kernigan, Uwe Rosler, Paul Walsh. Paul Walsh is actually the first footballer I ever remember, weirdly. Do you remember when they used to have the big match on ITV in the 80s? Yeah. Yeah, well, of course you do, Nick. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, Paul Walsh, I just remember him. He had that really long skirt. Long hair, yeah. long hair, I remember, yeah. And I just remember him being on the TV once in a Spurs game in about 87, I guess it would have been. Uh, that team, no. that team, that team was a strong team of ours, wasn't it? If you look at those players you just read out, and you went all the way down that list with Martin Gordon, Southgate, Shaw, Salako Coleman, and then you finished up with George Endar. <laughs> <laughs> well, George Endar, he was all right. Did you, do you remember how skinny his legs were? Yeah, I do. George Endar had the skinny. I think that's more like eighties babies remember that Tim. Like, I just his legs every week. Just being a kid, like my legs are thicker than these are. I don't understand how he's a professional footballer. But finished off the City lineup was Noel Quinn, uh, Gary Blitkoff and Peter Beagree. So you've got a few um, Sky Sports pundits and commentators in there as well. <laughs> um, well, not much really happened in the first half. Uh, we've got Ricky Newman puts in a nice little cross for Chris Armstrong who heads straight Andy Dibble. It's very uh, sort of Similar to the sort of crosses Punchin's been putting in this season for Ben Teke, sort of from a more central area and sort of getting in behind the defence. Um, moving to the second half, and we're now kicking towards the the non-existent Holmesdale, or the one being semi-built. Uh, you went every game that season, didn't you, Nick? What, what was it like with being there when the Holmesdale was being built? Because uh, you... my first season was the first season of the Holmesdale. Well, my big, some of my favourite time was the the last game of the season before, where where we actually said goodbye to the Homestead. That was fantastic times. But for that season, it, it was a very strange atmosphere on a good crowd. I mean, that crowd that we had for the Man City game, sixteen thousand six hundred and sixty eight, uh, and I think I knew every one of them at the time. Um, <laughs> it was. It, it was good because they were packed into the stands, in, into the three remaining stands. So it did make it for a good atmosphere. But it was really weird when you're attacking that end of the ground, okay, and all that there was there was just concrete and hoardings, very peculiar site. But, you know, the homestead was a, a great build at the end of the day and it's transformed our ground, hasn't it? Well, yep. So all four goals came in front of the empty homestead and it started with good old Darren Pitcher, who scored his first goal for the club. John Slarko got in down the left on the hour. Cross the ball in, and Gareth Southgate does some tremendous work to hold the ball up, keep it, gets it out of his feet, knocks it to um, pitcher on the edge of the box, who finds the top corner with his right foot. Um, <laughs> funny on the highlights, the camera goes to the crowd, and there's loads and loads of people who've got curtains, like proper proper <laughs> curtains. Did, did you have curtains in the nineties, Tim? I did. I'm afraid. Yeah. Good lad. Good lad. Good lad. <laughs> it was how you. It wasn't quite the Simon Roger, but you know, I tried. Yeah. Was it? Was yeah? That's what I'm gonna was gonna ask. Was it the '90s or was it just Palace fans trying to emulate Chris Coleman and Simon Roger? <laughs> uh, mine, mine was a full Donny Osmond. I'm telling you, centre part in and, <laughs> and curtains backwards. I was there. <laughs> who's, Donny, who's Donny Osmond? Move on. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah, I went for curtains as well. My hair was way too thick, and it just looked ridiculous when I looked back here. Oh, <laughs> um, and it doesn't now. Uh, we <laughs> easy. Uh, so then, um, our good friend John Salad Salako, um, ten minutes from time, 
put the put the game to bed really. Uh, City are pushing forward, loads of men forward, got a corner. Endar cuts it out and finds Armstrong with his clearance, who switches the play to Slarko and lovely little dribble from John, cuts inside his defender and curls the boy to the back corner. Now that um, atmosphere you were talking about, Nick, it was so loud, so so loud. And do you? It's funny because a lot of a lot of Palace people who have come to Palace seem to suggest that you know we didn't have an atmosphere before 2005, before the HF came in, but we it was it was loud, right? That night, okay, I mean, that that game, you could just see by the highlights, if you looked at the highlights over the last couple of days, it was fantastic. I mean, Sellers did have that, did that have that vibe where I stood on, I've stood on the Homesdale years ago, okay, and there'd be like 20 blokes standing in the middle of the Homesdale singing, and then there was one man and his dog. So it did have varying sort of atmospheres. But, I mean, you just got to see by the highlights of this particular game that we're reviewing tonight um, that it's... The, the, it was loud. It was really, really a great atmosphere in there. Mm. So then um, just four minutes later, Southgate releases Chris Armstrong in from the right. Now, he had a really good knack of doing this, Armstrong, coming off of the flank and from a tight angle, smashes the ball home, comes comes off the stanchion. Now, these days, you might need a goal to goal line technology to sort that one out. Yeah. Tim, were, were you a fan of Chris Armstrong? Massive fan, yeah. Yeah, I thought he was a great player up front. Um yeah, he's uh, always got goals, like you say. And he was just quick, wasn't he? Always quick. Um, yeah, great player. Because he went, he went to Spurs in the end, didn't he? And uh, yeah. yeah, another one that I was gutted he left. But, you know, obviously that's, that's the way it goes, isn't it? So what happened to him in the end? Did he, did he get an injury at Spurs and then just whittled down the leagues? Is that what happened to him? Because I never did see him actually finish his career or something. A good player. I liked him. I think, I think he, had, he had a few problems, didn't he? If I if I remember right, I think yeah, there I think was some sort of injury involved, and then uh, he ended up. I want to say Wrexham towards the end of his career. I think he finished his career at Wrexham. Proud of blaring out K Sarasara, whatever it will be. <laughs> and um, Dean Gordon's long ball flicked on a few minutes after the, uh, the Armstrong goal, and Slarko knocks it down. And Priest via the goalkeeper's hands finds a top corner, and the ball goes in off the post. And Palace off to the semi semi final of the League Cup, and of course we'd um, match that beat later on in the season and make the semi final of the FA Cup as well. Uh, what happened in those, Nick? Uh, we lost one nil on Man United, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, we lost them both to Man United, didn't we? Yeah. I think it was here after a two two draw in the FA Cup. We lost the replay. Yeah, sad times. Um, right, but so that was our classic match this week, obviously. We're scraping the barrel a bit against Man City, and I think we're going to be scraping the barrel a bit again next week when it comes to Swansea. Are there any classic matches for Swansea spring to mind for you guys? <laughs> no. Nil-nil, wasn't it? Was it nil-nil <laughs> last season? <laughs> Is that what we've got? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we had um, Dougie Freeman's first game in charge of Palace permanently, I think, was at Swansea, and we lost 3-0 when Brendan Rodgers was their manager and to go, go away to Swansea for a 12-30 kick-off. And we got pumped three now and barely touched the ball. Good times. That's I think that's the one we'll remember. <laughs> but um, yeah, so remember to look out next Tuesday on the whole radio Twitter account to vote for your classic match. Or if you have any suggestions, of course, you can contact us on the email address preview podcast at wholeradio.net. Homesdale Radio, sponsored by fanduel.co.uk. The next generation of fantasy football. Okay, so that's it for this week. Uh, I'd like to thank Nick for joining us. Always, Nick, I love having you on, mate, you old git. Thank you, mate. It's been my pleasure. (laughs) And thank you very much to Tim. Tim, you'll also be on the uh, main show on Sunday to complete your two-part trial. How do you feel, mate? Are you you feeling good? Pretty much better now, thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well done, Tim. You did great, mate. Well done, mate. Yeah, lovely, lovely job, mate. And as I say, we're just talking about Palace. We we all do that all the time, whether people want to listen to us or not. Uh, Remember, right, to tune in on Sunday from 8pm for the Man City Review. If you can't listen live, the podcast version of the show will be available from shortly after. This Sunday, Hambo will be your host, and he's joined by the dulcet tones of both my panel guests tonight. Our new robots, which is Patrick O'Quana and the lovely Lucy White. Um, next week, we will be joined for the Swansea preview podcast by James Howlands, author of the book Palace Addiction, 
Um, if you haven't read that, I highly recommend that you do. It's great remembering of the 2009-10 season. He'll be on to plug his new book, The Palace Addiction 2, which is about supporting Palace when he was living abroad in Australia, I believe. But we'll get more of that from James next week. Remember, in the meantime, you can contact the show either by tweeting us at Whole Radio on Twitter or can tweet me at RenBlueArmy1 and just throw some abuse my way if you like or of course you can email us on podcast at holradio.net um, so that's it thanks guys for joining us and be sure to tune in on Sunday to listen to the review of our famous win against City good night every picture tells a story keep up to date with ours on Instagram at Homestale Radio and finally, of course, thank you to Tav for producing the show tonight. <laughs> good night. Night. It's night time, everyone. Is it night time? What is it? T- ten to no, nine it's good, at th- night. <laughs> it's goodbye, you donut. I <laughs> know. Oh, I'm just on a wind up. <laughs> and of course, finally, thank you to Tav for producing our show. Uh, he does a sterling job for putting in this wonderful thing that you hear in your ears or just bang average thing i'm not sure what we are i don't know are we any good nick no we're doing fine and we're getting better every week (laughs) okay good so thank you all for listening and remember to tune in on sunday no i've already said that tav (laughs) i've I've already said tune in on sunday could not well well, on your on on your notes you've got until next week tim tim this is how professional we are mate Finally, I would like to thank Tav for producing our show. He does a fantastic job for chopping up everything I do wrong and making it into this nice polished thing that you hear in your ears. (laughs) Right, until next week. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Until until next week, what? I'm sorry, I'll be be serious now. I was like like Ron Burgundy. Finally, before we go, I'd like to also thank Tav, our producer, for producing the show. He does a brilliant job of chopping up everything that we sort of mess up that you don't hear and making it into this lovely polished product that you hear in your ears. So, yeah, we are finished and make sure that you tune in next week. Bye. Bye. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Talk sport. Powered by fans.